0: American Nightmare PS81 is located on 256th Street in Riverdale, an upscale affluent neighborhood in the Bronx. I was kicked out of PS86 in Kingsbridge Heights because they all but told Yvonne I was too stupid to attend. They couldn't handle the fact that I was hyperactive. In PS81, we were separated from everyone and treated very differently from other children. For instance, breakfast and lunch times were placed away from regular mainstream students as if not to taint their education. We weren't allowed to talk with them except when we were outside. During breakfast and lunchtime, mainstream students were allowed to escort themselves to their teachers and to wherever they had to go. On the other hand, special kids had to be supervised. We were kept in one class all day while mainstream students changed into different classes every period. This is what gets the wheels turning again to what I like to call Silent Segregation, One Nation Under God, Indivisible, For Liberty and Justice for All. This statement is quoted from the Pledge of Allegiance, but all it was to me was rhetoric. In my school, children were suspended for not respecting the Pledge of Allegiance, Indivisible. I didn't feel like we were indivisible by a long shot. A minority over here, whites over there, this color thing comes up again. Well, if you're black and you have just a small attention problem, then you can't function in a normal atmosphere. So you have these psychiatrists pump you full of Ritalin and throw you on the first floor in a class of ten. Ritalin is actually a form of speed. It actually speeds up the atmosphere around you. It tricks your mind into believing that it needs to slow down. Now, if you turn it the other way around towards maybe a white child, the parents, for the most part, would become outraged. And so they are placed with normal children. The problem is that minorities accept these standards and let their children be placed in these situations, in my opinion. Do you know what happens after this? It makes them feel different. It makes them feel separated. Who wants to function in a classroom when they are isolated? I felt it was an exception to me because conditions were worse at home, but No matter if you come home from bad situations, you shouldn't have to go to school to the same thing also. Our class consisted of Emmanuel, Arturo, Lynette, Peggy, Jermaine, and Jessica. I had three best friends, Benjamin, Ramel, and Thomas. If there was trouble, we four were most likely in it. Peggy was the only white one, and whenever we had to go out of the classroom, we had to line up. We always had to line up according to our first names in alphabetical order. The regular education kids did not have to do this. Emmanuel, Arturo, Benjamin, and Jessica were Puerto Rican. Jessica was a sad case because she had these red blotches over her face. Benjamin used to call her AIDS face and pizza face, and everybody would bust out in laughter. I myself never called her names, but I still laughed when they teased her. She spent most of that year crying. It can be remembered, though, that on the second year of her return, she came back gorgeous. All of the blisters on her face were gone, and the boys were speechless. Ramel was the leader of our group. Since he was the most mature, Lynette was in love with him. Well, then again, Lynette was in love with a different one of us at any given day of the week. Her love changed like the seasons. Benjamin was the clown of the group. He could make anyone laugh, and I often traded toys with him. I and he were the closest. Thomas was a strange boy. He was a bit on the feminine side. He moved and acted like he was not from our world. When I say world, I mean the boy's world. He often came to school in dress shirts, buttoned all the way up to the top of his neck. He was an unusually handsome black child. This was most recognizable by his extremely light green eyes. Every week, Mr. Snyder would take the most well-behaved students to McDonald's on 256th Street at lunchtime to eat with him. If it came down to more than one recipient, then he would take whoever made it. He would give us money to play games. Benjamin, Ramel, Thomas, and I rarely ever made it to McDonald's. It might have been twice out of about 38 weeks of school. If we did make it, we would always run over to the Double Dragon Machine with Jimmy and Billy Lee. It was our favorite game. I used to feel good bringing good results home to Yvonne. Then I knew it would be peaceful without any worry of violence. Mr. Snyder also had other occasions for the class. Every Friday was movie week. Thursday, we would have to vote on what movie we wanted to watch. My personal favorites were Robocop, The Princess Bride, Willow, and The Never Ending Story. Every Friday after the movie, Mr. Snyder had a store in this huge wooden closet. There were many items. Books, watches, a Sony Walkman. Something came as cheap as a half a star for a sticker to 200 stars for a Nintendo. Of course, to get that Nintendo, a child would have to be good and save his or her stars for months at a time. The average kid got about four or five stars a week. If you were super good, which entailed finishing every work assignment earlier than usual... After you finish that assignment, not to be enticed to talk to your peers, sitting straight up, hands at all times folded, eyes straight looking towards the blackboard, if you did this every day for a five-day week, if Mr. Snyder was in a good mood, you could probably pull off 11 stars. But the impossibility of it was astronomical. Even if someone was able to pull it off that long, you are still waiting for more than 15 weeks for that Nintendo, which was the hot thing back then. We had one kid who tried. Jermaine Anderson got as far as about 68 stars and decided to quit and spin all his stars on Transformers and G.I. Joes. Jermaine was like the epitome of goodness. Everything he did was right. You wanted to know how to be good, you would go to him. Many even wondered why he was even in special ed. That's when we all thought it was impossible to be done. Snyder knew we would never get that Nintendo. It was a form of social control. Without this, there is chaos, says Emil Durkheim. The Fantastic Four, Benjamin, Thomas, Ramel, and I decided that we would have to find a way to get that Nintendo by any means necessary. We would have to plan the plan. This was the plan of all plans, something on a grand scale. We decided that we could never do it when Mr. Snyder was in. We would have to do it when a substitute filled in. We all agreed that every afternoon on the bus back home, the four of us would carefully construct physical blueprints to get that Nintendo. <laughs>